his point on a single solution uh, being dead if that's your only tool in your solution set to transform and digitize process, that applies to other technologies too. I mean, if you invest in a cognitive virtual agent to deploy for your front office to make your call center a bit more modernized, and you just have that and think that that's going to solve your issues, that's going to fail as well. You're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host, Tom Young. Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. Hi, this is Bart Gallo. This is TJ Young. This is Rohan Kapoor. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, today we're going to talk about the topic that is on a lot of people's minds. Uh, it's around RPA, Robotic Process Automation. And we're going to claim that RPA is is not dead. And talk a little bit about the article that Phil First from Horses for Sources put out. Uh, basically claiming that RPA is dead, which uh, seems a little counterintuitive based on some of the things that are happening. So we're going to get into review some of the content in this article and uh, and talk about it. But the first thing we want to do is we developed a video on digital labor. Uh, we launched that, you know, maybe about when, when we launched that? Uh, about two months ago. Yeah, okay. about a month ago. So it's just, this is a primer to give people uh, we used a sort of a primer. <laughs> Did I say primer? <laughs> I think so. Pri- primer's good. I think primer actually works. I thought they were both acceptable. <laughs> okay. I, I say primer. I don't really use that that much at all. It's an American <laughs> thing. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. It must be the Brit, of course. All right. Yeah. So, no need to get in. I'll, edu- I'll educate you guys. I, s- I say <laughs> gasoline. There's no need to get in a tizzy over this. <laughs> I, say, I say gas. You can say petrol. <laughs> right? <laughs> And I'm going to put that in the trunk, and you can put it in your boot. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no offense. Or you can put a few containers of it in the trolley at the store. All right, all right. So anyway, so, we did, RPA, RPA, so RPA. We, did this, uh, we did this digital labor video, and it's it's largely following, very similar to the Kurskazaga theme uh, style of, of video, but it's a, we're going to play about a two-minute clip here. You can go watch on our website the whole clip about, because it's a broader topic of digital labor, but this first two minutes really introduces RPA, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. So let's go play that clip. The world is changing faster than ever before. And the technology we rely on is getting smarter. Key advancements like robotic process automation and artificial intelligence are revolutionizing the modern workplace. Digital labor now affects our daily lives in one way or another, but what is it exactly? We're not talking about physical robots. A bot is a simple excerpt of computer code designed to perform a repetitive business process the same way a human would. Think of all the tedious back office paperwork that has become the reality of today's business environment. Humans act as the middlemen between data sources and applications that don't integrate well together, bogging down the efficiency and productivity of a company. Bots automate these workloads, maintaining and executing the data handling, reconciliation, and reporting steps typically done by humans. For years, we've had bots in the form of scripts running invisibly behind the technology we use every day. They handle the heavy lifting to churn through data or produce reports on command, but are usually customized for a certain system or technology. What makes RPA different is the platform's ability to construct bots that work with almost any application by executing commands directly on the front-end application interface using the same portals and required screen navigation a human would use to complete a task. Bots operate extremely fast and do not make errors, but are very rigid. For situations involving dynamic, unstructured data or requiring complex understanding, 
RPA does not fare well. So again, you can see from that clip, as I mentioned before, I used the term the Curse Kazagat video. That's a, uh, I guess it's a base out of Germany, right? They they did this, uh, they did these shorts. Anyways, we use that same style. You can go on YouTube. They do a lot of cool uh, commercial or videos on YouTube where they break down complex subjects. We tried to do something similar here with digital labor. You can go to our website on or the YouTube channel and see the rest of that video because it gets into the AI side. But we want to focus today on an RPA. So let's, um, up on the screen we have in our studio here, we have the RPA is dead, long live integrated automation platforms. And uh, we can look at some of the points that Phil makes here, but the the headline is, is sort of uh, clickbait a little bit to get people to read the article. Yeah. Because the, the, the headline almost implicates or indicates to me an or versus an and. Yeah. Right, and so... It's not that RPA, it's RPA or uh, integrated automation platforms. Because if it's the choice between the two, I'll take the integrated automation platform. But it's and. And he actually makes a lot of good points if you actually read the article. I right. think the headline was meant to be a little bit, uh, a little bit provocative just to get right. people looking at it. But in today's Instagram culture, I think a lot of people sharing the article on LinkedIn are just reading the headline. And... Look, saying, hey, look, UiPath Automation Anywhere, that's old news now. RPA is dead. Look at my new product. But if you actually read the article, there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, Bart, if you scroll down, there's a, um, a diagram, pretty pretty simple diagram showing people process technology in orange bubbles. Keep going down. Right there. So he, he pretty much he's making the point that RPA got so hot that practitioners and the people that were welcome to, uh, happy to sell it were throwing... RPA at all their problems and hoping it would be like silver bullet. Right. right. So that's that's the whole point of the right chart here, and we can show this on the YouTube video too. Is that all the focus is on the technology, the software itself, without thinking about process, without thinking about change management and the people, without thinking about data, which is the fourth element that should be really included here. And that's something we talk about too. It's RPA is a component of a larger solution, so it's not dead, but it's not the only thing. What's dead are the programs that rely on RPA solely to digitize their operations and to um, transform their operations to that digital end state. That's what's dead. Yeah. I think it's something which when we talk to people, they understand that I think RPA as a standalone solution is not the end goal here and the long-term goal. And I think one thing he mentioned in the in the article was around basically you RPA only like a small proportion of organizations have been able to successfully scale RPA, therefore it's dead. And I mean, people we talk to are very well aware of the fact that it needs to be integrated as part of a wider strategy. So I definitely think it's a great title though. It's a very provocative yeah. title. And it's eye-catching, click-grabbing. Yeah, for sure. and he's, he's also thrown some statistics around the number of people that watched it. So it, it's successfully worked for him. But, yeah, um, I think even if the focus is moving away from RPA as one of the hottest technologies at a, a lot of um, industry firms applying different emerging technologies, I think you can't ignore the fact that it was uh, foundational to the journey that a lot of these companies are on, mm -hmm. applying things like AI and data platforms. Yeah. Well, Bart, you've done a lot of the you've done a lot of RPA deployments. I mean, there's a a heavy non-technical focus to actually making a business impact, right? The RPA is just a component of the solution. Of course. Yeah. So, and and I think, again, I think the notion that, that 
people, the trap they fall into is kind of what TJ said, is this notion that technology in and of itself is a silver bullet. It's almost never the case. Mm. And, you know, we see it with even going back in the old days when people were deploying ERP systems, they thinking somehow if I buy this ERP system, it's going to solve all my crazy processing problems around book close or other kinds of enterprise reporting. And what ends up happening is they try to continue to focus on the technology and blame the technology for poor processes. So, the you know what we found is uh, the RPA is a very good intake to understanding the the points of pressure of where users want to see the technologies platforms that they're operating on operate differently. So when they find themselves having to navigate a complex technology platform with repetitive tasks, the RPA resolves that very quickly, but also at the edge of the architecture, meaning they're not really, what we found is where the RPA breaks down is it doesn't get into the core architecture and therefore becomes very fragile. So as if, imagine I'm, I'm operating this complex system and the RPA sits like a macro at the edge and performs some of these functions for people, making them more productive. Well, the, the, that core system is changing all the time and, and the RPA ends up breaking and it's very fragile because it's relying on these API interfaces. Well, if you could somehow bring that into the core and fix it, you would eliminate the need for the RPA at the edge, and it would be available in the entire system and, and lead to fixing the system. And I think a lot of people set these RPAs up and they don't follow through with learning from all the RPAs and then doing the process redesign behind the scenes. Yeah, I think it's a great entry point for a lot of these companies to adopt because of its relative ease of adoption, the low hanging fruit that it solves with some of the problems that um, the problems that it can solve for. Um, I mean, it's it's cheap and it's effective, but you're right. I think it's just the first entry point in a longer term strategy. And I think people have been relying on it too much as the only as their long term strategy, which is kind of why I guess he's put this article out as well. And, and, and his point on a single solution uh, being dead if that's your only tool in your solution set to transform and digitize process, that applies to other technologies too. I mean, if you invest in a cognitive virtual agent to deploy for your front office to make your call center a bit more modernized, and you just have that and think that that's going to solve your issues, that's going to fail as well. Yeah. You know? it, it, his point is, what is this integrated platform? So integrated with what? It's not, it's not just more tools, but it's a set of methodologies that work together mm-hmm. that you can use to approach digital transformation really at scale as opposed to spot projects with limited ROI. Right. right. Yeah. Having the right tool for the job every time if your solution set is diverse enough. It's exactly. And it's, it's RPA. I mean, I know you said over-reliance on APIs, but I, I would argue that RPA is really has an over-reliance on the front-end UI interactions, right. which is why it's not very stable. But in combination with an API gateway methodology at scale in combination with process orchestration and BPM platforms with the virtual agents mm-hmm. that can use those bots to go execute workloads in combination with the underlying data management frameworks, the enterprise information right. management all the data protocols. coming off of that. Right. All the, get the architects in the room, have them, uh, have them make sure that the foundation's there uh, to feed the data for these tools that actually work effectively. 
And of course, the advanced analytics and the AI ML on top of all this. It's in silos, all of it has limited impact, but together, that, that's what he's really talking about. Together, it's this integrated digital toolkit that you can approach end-to-end process to transform and scale versus these spot projects. Mm-hmm. So why do you think, you know, we mentioned companies don't go far enough. Why do you think that is? Because it, it seems like it's required I, I, as well. I don't know. I, I, you know, it's, they it's want, hard work. It's hard work. I mean, and you know, I don't want to say people are lazy because that would be that would that would be a misnomer. But I think they're not disciplined, and they they want that silver bullet. They somehow think that there's this magic technology that's going to solve all their problems. Mm-hmm. And and process redesign. If, if you're going to start a new company, you're going to start it from the ground up, and you're gonna and you're gonna probably build it with digital processes and have a very different way of doing business. And you see that today with you know, firms that have probably started in the last 10 to 15 years, they look very different than firms that have been around for 40 or 50 years. So if you're pivoting from the old to the new, it's a lot harder than building new mm. because the change management that goes with process changes involves people. Mm. And I think what the RPA does is it takes some of the workload away from the people and allow you to re-engineer the processes and the systems behind the scenes at the core so that you don't have to involve people in the change management. And then what, so what ends up happening is I see the RPA as an intake to the process redesign work that can be done. And the value that RPA gives you is there's the nominal value of providing productivity at the edge. So I'm making a person more productive, and if I do it at scale, I can el- eliminate some of my people. That's a harder trick. But both of those provide value. The more intrinsic value is that it gives me the ability now to, to re-engineer the system without the obstacles and hurdles of dealing with people to change. Mm-hmm. But if you, don't, if you don't see it that way, if you don't follow through, you're going to end up with 100 bots, yeah. 200 bots, 500 bots. And all of a sudden... It's going to be very expensive to maintain that bot complex because, by their very nature, they're fragile in that kind of environment. And you, you know, your question before, Rowan, you said, "Why do people resist this or uh, not want to do this?" Right? We don't want to say they're lazy. I think it's to your point. I mean, RPA is it's easy to deploy, and we're not changing the process. Yeah, you can have 500 bots in your environment and no process changes. And that's, you know, by design. Yeah. Right. If we're not changing process, which means there's less change and less disruption for the organization, which means less resistance. Yeah, we've even yeah. built that into our discovery process at previous clients where we um, exactly. talk to business stakeholders. Like, we're not here to help you fix your process. We want to automate as is. Right. And, and that's evolved, but still. But, it, but it's an evolution. It's not a, we're going to throw all this tech at it and then we're finally at this digital uh, end state. You're asking, why don't people just do this? It's because the rest of it, the rest of the integrated tool set and methodologies requires a lot of change. Right. It's a lot of disruption and people just want to show up at work, do their work and go home. Yeah. And you're going yep. to muddy up their lives. RPA yeah. is the one exception in that larger right. toolkit that does not require that much change. Yeah. So I think people had a short sightedness and said, oh, well, and this, is, this is our answer, but it's not the end game. It's just the beginning. Yeah. It's the intake so you can digitize mm-hmm. process, but you're not changing the process. It's still the same workflow, but you're separate. To your point, you're, we're separating humans from the discussion so that we can have a separate but parallel timeline 
where we can transform process and apply more advanced technologies mm. as well. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think there's a talent component to it as well. We talk about the shortage of talent to work on emerging technologies in these environments a lot. Like I wonder if um, a lot of these types of firms have chosen some of their best resources, mix of technical and functional skills to focus on building out an RPA COE. And then they no longer have those best resources to say, hey, go do the analytics COE or some other technology COE. So I think there's, there might be a talent shortage component to it as well, at least in the near term. I mean, especially, we've seen this in data scientists and cybersecurity yeah. in particular for the past few years. Right. But that, what the issue is, it's uh, the, the technologies are increasing. The pace of change is so fast that I think the education systems and the talent pools can't keep up. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, I think the window of relevancy per skill type is shortening. So all right, we need we, oh, we need a whole bunch of uh, data scientists today, and then maybe in three years it's a different kind of data scientist, more of a data consultant. Right. So, so, yeah. so it's, it's much are, more frequent. Yeah. Are you and TJ yeah. are both uh, Automation Anywhere, which is another RPA firm. Mm -hmm. You're both uh, RPA certified. Yes. All right. And so when did you pass your certification? Uh, about almost two. Three. Two years ago? Almost, yeah, two or three. So I'm asking yeah. about the relevancy. So um, you guys still feel as current as you did when you passed your proficiency exam? I'd say 75% yeah. from where I was that's accurate. when we passed. Yeah, yeah. You want to see the latest uh, yeah. updates and their latest but, version? Uh, the AA suite is progressing rapidly, right? Aren't they adding new stuff to it? We just looked at some of the stuff that they were adding in. Yeah, so I believe what they're adding in is um, they're doing what like ServiceNow and other other uh, platforms that try to just uh, absorb in other functionality. So in the past, they were purely RPA. We did a lot of work that had to combine their solution with, say, OCR. Right. Because a lot of the intakes for these repetitive processes, the intakes the input data was not repetitive. It was unstructured. It was scanned order documents. We said, hey, we have thousands of orders every day in whatever country, and it's the same process to deal with it. We have all these people that manage these orders, but it's hard to actually build bots to do it because the intake is always a bit unstructured, right? It's the scanned forms, handwritten, yeah. different the formats. Front 10% of a yeah. specific right. task. So you need, you know, so object character recognition, uh, which is using ML, AI methodology to understand patterns in unstructured data so that you can pigeonhole them into swim lanes for something as rigid as RPA to apply. Yeah. So they're, so they call it IQ bots specific to AA. Um, it's their way of applying that within the suite or offering it within the suite so that you don't have to uh, use a, a third-party piece of software. You can just do more work within their environment. I think that's their strategy to right. expand, build it, make it a bit more smart, quote-unquote smart, build more of that OCR, AI methodology within the tool set. Mm -hmm. But I, I bring it up because you you mentioned the obsolescence of the of the knowledge because it's moving rapidly. There's a, there's, a, there's a component of that, but also the talent issue and the talent shortage. I think, you know, Neither one of you guys have our, our programming backgrounds. No, no. You, but you were, were able to learn it, and I think it's your guys' skill sets that's really required in the industry, which is you know the the term polymath, which is somebody's multidisciplined, where you have the business consulting side, where you understand business processes, but can also take it all the way out to the codification of these RPA bots, so that you can then take it and follow through with the back end engineering. You know, I I, I, th I think at some level, you know, I never liked the term RPA. 
I mean, I know what it is. I've been working with it for over five years. When it, the industry term came out, you know, it, slightly before that, I never liked the term, and I, I'm using it now because it's a default term. Mm-hmm. But I, I was slow to use it because I thought the term robotic in the RPA t- terminology created a false connotation of what it is, mm. right? It's it, it it's not a, a physical robot, and it very rarely takes over an entire person's workflow, right? It's, it doesn't do that. It takes over, you know, a routine task or a group of tasks that follow into a, a bucket. Right. And this is wherein lies some of the issues we've had around benefits realization where people think, oh, robotic process automation, I'm going to put a bunch of these bots out there and they're going to replace people. Well, they could, but not unless you change the back end workflow. And I think therein lies the rub and why this is uh, maybe getting some mixed reaction. But I think RPA is far from dead. It's getting a mixed reaction, but uh, to Phil's credit, it's getting a lot of buzz. And I think that's tapping into something. And I think what it's tapping into is people's frustration with uh, the promise for these huge business cases that just aren't hitting. Yeah. And it's because of the original point we made around yeah. people thinking it's a silver bullet, people not taking into account, we need to eventually transform process. We need to eventually kind of restack the way we approach you know, our FTE, FTE landscape, mm-hmm. redefine the roles, redefine what work is from our standpoint if we're going to be flooding the system with scripts and bots and AI and virtual yeah. agents right. and all this stuff. If we don't do that, the business case will never be there. Because again, we're, RPA automates tasks not really the process or the people themselves. Right. The benefits realization is work within itself. It's not just deploy the technology, yeah. see the benefits. Right. It's do the work of restacking the work, restructuring your organization, rethinking your processes to reap those benefits. Right. Yeah. Without a broader uh, plan to incorporate cognitive computing, virtual agents, AI, analytics, and all the stuff that's not as fun or sexy around the enterprise information framework and mm-hmm. the architecture and all that stuff, this will never work at scale. That's yep. the truth. Yeah. It's a much Absolutely. broader program and, and than throwing that, RPA that, at the problem. That to me is a key takeaway. It, the RPA provides a critical uh, input yes. and lays a critical set of, uh, of groundwork to do the business process engineering that has eluded legacy firms from operating digitally. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm doing a greenfield. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have to worry about a lot of stuff because I'm going to design it the right way. But I'm trying to pivot an old line company to – a new digital way of thinking, good luck. And what this does, so Bart, pull up that uh, article we had from TechCrunch around uh, the recent valuation that UiPath got. And so they just arranged Series D financing of $568 million at an implied valuation of $7 billion. Um, I mean, these are incredible numbers. I think That's nuts. Automation Anywhere, I think the last time I saw their valuation, they were at $3.5 billion. And, you know, you've got other companies out there like um, uh, Blue Prism, Thoughtonomy, uh, WorkFusion. Pegasystems with Pega OpenSpan. Pegasystems, OpenSpan. Yeah. And then you're going to see firms like ServiceNow, uh, probably BMC, and others who are already in the system start to do things. You'll probably see Salesforce as well start to add some RPA things into their components. So you'll start to see this uh expand out. So, so a lot of money is, is betting on this as being a big impact. And I think where where I see this being a, a, 
a big impact is our ability to use this as the, um, again, I'll call it, I use the term intake, the intake to the business process reengineering. Yeah. And if you don't do that, if you don't see the follow through on this, I think you are going to get frustrated with the comp- the lack of benefits realization and the cost of maintaining uh, RPA at the edge of your architecture uh, for long periods of time, because it does these things do break down. You know, uh, in the deployment that we that you guys worked on last, you had about two hundred bots in deployment, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more yeah, mm-hmm. around that, and and. As you got those out there, they started to break down in production, right? Because things change, you got to go fix them, right? Now I start adding zeros to that, and now I have two thousand bots or a twenty thousand bot, whatever the number is. And the it, point is, the edge changes much more than the core. So when yes. we talk about the core, we're talking about the back end, really the infrastructure that's supporting all these applications, right? So we say, if you if you can integrate through an API versus access to the front end, that's much more stable because the modules and the objects that the API takes advantage of, those don't change as much as the web interface yeah. for these applications. Right. Right. So that uh, using an API instead is one step towards integrating with core systems, integrating with core functionality. Mm. Really, the ideal state would be one big application that can do it all. And I think that's what everyone tries to customize ERP systems like SAP to be, but the reality is it's not the case. Hey, Bart, mm-hmm. Bart, can you throw up that one picture we have with the uh, RPA edge versus core while we're talking about this, mm-hmm. put up on the screen? Sure. And because we, we can put it in the video while we're, we're recording this. But I would say the, 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 the simple way to think about core versus edge is systems of record versus systems of engagement. Right. And the example we use to explain it easily to everybody is think of financial systems on Wall Street, right? The, the systems that actually execute the trading and, and house the data for stock prices, uh, open, close volume, that kind of stuff is untouchable by end users. Uh, very few people can get access to that. But if I ask all four of us to get, say, IBM stock price, we may go to four different systems of engagement to get that exact same data. And assuming that we have good systems of engagement, we'll all come back with the same answer. But we're all tapping the exact same system of record. And so when we talk about the dynamic edge, you know, these systems of engagement, they're constantly changing. And the RPA sits there. What we want to do is, as we build out RPA, we want to study it in the landscape of the overall architecture and migrate it back into the core so it becomes not just something that it's localized by a group of users, but something that is used by the entire ecosystem and allows us to redefine the processes so that we have a more efficient business model. Right, versus try to, trying to force everyone into a standard system of engagement, which goes against what, we're, what the whole trend of the presentation layer in, in and of itself. I think we're moving towards a case of hyper-customization yeah. based on the personas accessing the right. systems. Mm-hmm. An executive accessing the same application, or maybe it's a dashboard showing some yeah. kind of insight, is not the same thing as an engineer or a low-level operational employee accessing the same application but looking at different data. Mm-hmm. You want the presentation layer to be customized based on the audience, based on the credentials, based on the persona. You don't want to have to standardize the engagement layer because we want the automation to sit on the edge. Yeah. It really restricts humans from what they should be. 
Right. You pull that automation and standardization to the core and allow for hyper-dynamic presentation layers, allow for full flexibility at the systems of engagement. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then you're forcing the digital workforce and the human workforce to bend to each other's weaknesses yeah. yes. in that case when you shouldn't have to do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, next week, the four of us will be at IP Sauce Digital Workforce Summit in Lower Manhattan. I think it's at the Conrad Hotel over by the New York Mercantile Exchange. Uh, there'll be quite a few people there in the industry and I look forward to having some conversations with people to get different perspectives on what's what's happening and really how RPA is fitting into the broader uh, I'll call it the, the broader advancement of advanced technologies and the business processes but I, I'm going to guess that the issue we have we just discussed with RPA being not the silver bullet I think we're going to see a little bit of that at the Digital Workforce Summit I think People are still underestimating at the, in the aggregate the non-technical work required mm. to deploy these technical solutions, right? There, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, change management, business process redesign, process mapping that must go with this in order to achieve some real results at scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, that's what we like to help people with. And so we're looking forward to this Workforce Summit next week to engage in some conversations and inform our thinking as well. So you guys have any, you guys looking forward to that conference? Absolutely. Yeah. Should be really yeah. good. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, and it's, it so. is just one point, I guess it's not just the non-technical aspects that people don't think about. It's also other technical aspects. When you say technical, is, you think everyone thinks the focus is on the development of the bots. And again, so Bart, I mean, keep me honest here, that was the least amount of effort that we had put into the work to get to where we were at our past oh, client yeah, sites. Definitely. The technical work we're talking about is the technical work outside of RPA. It's the integration work. Right. So that's, and again, that's where Phil gets us right. There's not enough focus on the integration work from a technical perspective. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. That, along with the non-technical stuff around process changing, redesigning, process mining, all of that together, it's very complicated. Right. But it has to be done if you want to achieve scale. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just integrating integrating the RPA with uh, the internal security. Yeah. Months. <laughs> right. It's, months. That's boring stuff, but it has yeah. to be done. And yeah. you're trying to convince guys, like, hey, well, all we're doing is repeating this process with software. Like, well, it's not certified. It's not oh, audited, ident- yeah. identity and access architectural qualifications. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Have fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot a lot of work to do here. <laughs> And there's a, a, a tremendous amount of opportunity for uh, people who understand the end-to-end process, and RPA is a component of it to go drive that out. So anyway, we don't think RPA is dead. I don't think Phil actually meant it that way anyway, but that's what the title said. So we're going to say the opposite. And give us a chance to say RPA is not dead. R- <laughs> that's right. We're going to do the counter the counter headline, RPA is not dead. And uh, Long live. Uh, Long live we'll RPA. see how that goes. All right. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Hey, thanks for listening to Pardon the Disruption. We'd like you to subscribe to our podcast if you like it. You can find us on most of the platforms where you get your podcast from, whether that be iTunes or YouTube or whatever you're on. Uh, We also want some feedback. Which shows do you want us to cover? What do you like? What do you not like? So that we can do this. We're doing this for you. We're not doing this for anything else. So please subscribe and give us some feedback. Thank you very much.